Welcome back to week two of our series on the kingdom of God. Let me just remind you, the kingdom of God is the gospel Jesus preached. Uh, We saw this last week when we discovered that the gospel is of simply going to heaven when we die is really just a very small part of the vast living gospel that Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God. Now, it's true that in Jesus we have forgiveness of sins and the promise of living in heaven with him forever. Amen. That's wonderfully true. But the good news is even better than you know. Uh, God is not only concerned with getting us into heaven. He's also concerned with heaven getting into us here and now. Amen. That's what the gospel of the kingdom is all about. Last week, we focused on two key verses uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. First, uh, Jesus instructs us to pray in Matthew 6:10, Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Secondly, Jesus helps us to set our priorities for everyday living when he tells us in Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given you as well. So God's will for us is to desire and pray that his kingdom would break into our lives daily and remind us that we should align our priorities with the values of his kingdom. Let me say that again. Let me repeat that, okay? God wants us to desire and pray that His kingdom would break into our lives daily and remind us that we should align our priorities with the values of His kingdom. Amen. But for this week, let's discover our identity as citizens in God's kingdom as well as the privileges and responsibilities of being a part of this wonderful kingdom, okay? Here's a good place to start. Every born-again believer, every person who's committed his or her life to Jesus Christ, every one of those is a part of the kingdom of God, right? In the famous gospel passage, Jesus explains to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He then repeats that in in John 6, excuse me, John 3, 5 through 6. Very, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and spirit. Okay, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Now, this passage has many things to teach us, but let's make sure we get one thing straight from the very beginning. No one attains, no one earns, no one works for their place in God's kingdom. We are born into it by the gracious grace and mercy of God by being born again. Amen. And as we are born into God's kingdom, that means we become children of the living God. That makes sense, does it not? The the Apostle John assures us that this is so when he writes in 1 John 3, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. This also underscores that God's kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Amen? His kingdom is not of this world, which means that we're not born into God's kingdom. We, we are born into God's kingdom by grace, but it means that when we are born into that kingdom by grace, we must learn a new way to live. God's kingdom doesn't operate the way that worldly kingdoms do. You agree with that? Worldly kingdoms are, are based on things like political power, military might, wealth, beauty, intelligence, all the things that we see valued by the world around us. But the values of God's kingdom, I believe you'll understand, are radically different. 
Those values include love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, kindness, and self-control. Does that sound familiar? It should. That's the fruit of the Spirit in Matthew and Galatians 5. It is in the Scripture. I'm just getting a mixed up. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, right? But Jesus taught his disciples that things like greatness and leadership in his kingdom flowed from humility and and service, which are definitely not a part of the value systems of worldly structures. So, So think about where you live, where you work, where you go to school. What what values do worldly systems reward? Would you think about that? Our political systems reward power and persuasion. Would you agree with that? Our business systems reward competition and wealth. Our society rewards things like being a celebrity or beauty. Now, let me just say these things aren't always necessarily evil. They're just not the things that God values. They're not the way God runs his kingdom. So wherever his citizens, his children live. Good to see you here, Brother Gary. I didn't know you were here earlier. We've been praying for you as well. I just totally interrupted my sermon so I could say hi to Gary Snuffin. But I'm glad you're back. We've been praying for you, brother. (laughs) Do you know where I was? Uh, Okay. Wherever his children live, work... And, and go to school, his kingdom can be seen operating different values because we have the spirit living within us, like loving people who disdain you or dislike you, right? Like humility and servanthood instead of conniving to get ahead and looking out only for yourself. Like having a sense of calm and peace about you when the chaos around you has the volume turned up way high. There's just a different value system and inner calm about the citizens of God's kingdom that this world does not completely understand. But it is very attractive to this world. Amen. Okay, let me let me just give you one more practical example of the differing values of the kingdom. Almighty God wants people to hear the good news of redemption through Jesus Christ. And how it offers a more fulfilling and joyous life on earth for them right here, right now. But the enemy of our soul is constantly throwing discouragement at the children of God. You agree with that? Okay. Satan attempted to thwart the kingdom of God invading the kingdom of earth by convincing Herod to kill all the little baby boys in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas when Jesus was born. Amen. Peter, one of his followers, right? One of his disciples tried to thwart Jesus from obediently going to the cross. People who should have been cooperating with Jesus were pulling back and denying him. And the crucifixion appeared to be the biggest failure of all, right? But it turned out to be the greatest victory story of all time. Amen? Amen. So, So please understand that some of the disappointments of this life may indeed discourage us. They do. But again, God is not only concerned with us getting into heaven. He's also concerned with getting heaven into us right now. So that in the midst of chaos and the circumstances of life that disappoint us, we have a much greater perspective from which to view those disappointments because we recognize this is the temporary world. It's not the final home. Amen. Amen. See, we've confused heaven with the kingdom. 
Now, let me clarify that. Heaven is a great place. I will someday get there. And my prayer for you is that we would all get there together, okay? Because Jesus paid the price so that we could be forgiven by His shed blood. Amen? Amen. But in the meantime, heaven is breaking into the here and now. I, I believe at times we've become so preoccupied with heaven... That, that, we, that what we should be looking for is how God is bringing His kingdom to earth. But we're so worried about, you know, am I going to make it? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us this. He said, Matthew 6, Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now notice, Jesus said plainly that God's kingdom should be our highest priority in Matthew 6, 33. Because He said, seek first the kingdom of God, Right? But do you really think he meant that we should place going to heaven after we die? Should that really be the highest earthly priority of our life? One note of explanation is needed here, so let me just say this. Matthew's gospel usually uses the phrase, he prefers the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Now you can understand why many people have interpreted his words to mean heaven itself. But if you compare kingdom of heaven phrases with kingdom of God passages in Mark and Luke, it becomes clear that they're interchangeable. They're synonymous, okay? The reason for those two phrases is one of demographics. Most Bible scholars agree that Matthew's gospel was written for primarily a Jewish audience. And you have to know that the Jews of the first century were very careful about using God's name or even a noun referring to God. So that was something about the reverence for the name. So instead, they substituted the word heaven because everyone in the Hebrew nation understood that heaven is where God ruled on his throne. You with me? Okay. So Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven as a courtesy to the primary audience he's writing to, the people of Israel, okay? But the kingdom of God is the true context for discipleship. No serious student of Jesus ignores the teaching or demonstration of the kingdom. Now, yes, I use the word demonstration. Let me explain that. Jesus Christ explained his actions in terms of the kingdom of God. All the miracles that he performed, healing, deliverance, feeding of the masses, those were all signs of the kingdom of God. This world longed for the rule and reign of God to come to earth. They received their answers in the actions as well as in the teachings of Jesus. He was authenticating who he was as the son of the living God. In his physical absence, Jesus expects us... His bride, the church, to demonstrate and explain God's kingdom today. Demonstrate by testifying to the many miraculous answers to prayer we've received. Amen. Explaining by explaining the word of God and what the love of God means to us in our hearts and why we can have calm and peace in the midst of chaos, right? So to be about the kingdom is to be about the Father's business. You with me? Okay. Maybe one of the reasons the church struggles in the area of spiritual formation is we're not making disciples of the kingdom of God. And please catch this very distinct line of very fine line of distinction in our enthusiasm over God's forgiveness and mercy. We've overlooked his plans and purposes. Everyone who trusts in God 
can expect to go to heaven. Amen? But Jesus is after more than just eternal reward. Oh, stick with me. He wants us to join the family business. Amen? Receiving God's forgiveness and mercy is as wonderful as that is, can actually kind of keep us focused on ourselves. Am I doing everything right? Am I going to make it? Did I mess up right here? And we're inwardly focused. When we are focused on God's kingdom, we find ourselves immersed in his priorities. Do you see that distinction? Jesus is the king of an entirely different kingdom, a realm with a whole nother language. That's not good grammar, but another language, right? Another way of life, a a different culture, a different perspective or attitude for life. I mean, God wasn't kidding when he said that my ways are not your ways, right? Listen to the beautiful words in Isaiah 55, 8 and following. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Neither my ways, your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We are born into a realm that operates. When we are born again, it operates differently. And just as newborn babies, we must learn the ways of God's kingdom. Would you agree with that? This is one reason so many Christians have difficulty finding traction in their spiritual lives. We've been born into another kingdom, but we're trying to live our lives by the values of the world's kingdom. And there's there's a difference. The Apostle Paul took this new birth very seriously. Here's a part of his prayer for newborn Christians in the city of Colossae. He writes in Colossians 1, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now notice two things about this prayer. As children of the kingdom, we have this grand inheritance from God. This includes life, but it also includes so much more, eternal life and things of the kingdom. You understand that, right? Nod your heads, okay. But second, notice the difference between dominion of darkness and the kingdom of light. It's a vivid image, but it's more than just an image. Imagine, use your imagination with me as I illustrate this. You think about how we walk and move In a darkened room, when you can't see your hand in front of your face, you're kind of afraid of what might trip you up or stub your toe, right? You're just kind of slowly, cautiously moving, almost fearfully moving. But now think about how you move in the daylight with freedom and confidence and you're unafraid of missteps or, or a falling, right? Which kind of movement describes your life in Christ? Wouldn't it be awful to have this grand inheritance as children of the light, but still to live life as though, man, we're in the darkness and we're walking around very timidly and we're uncertain and fearful of our past. We're afraid we may trip over our own intentions. You with me? Let's make sure we're all on the same page. Here's what we have discovered about God's kingdom today. Just stick with me. We enter his kingdom in the new birth. It's not something that we can attain 
by working harder, trying to be perfect, trying to be good enough. None of us are perfect. Amen. It's attained by being born again. And the entryway of being born again enters us into a whole new life. And how foolish it would be for us to hold on to the values of the kingdom of darkness. Because God's ways are not our ways. His values are not our values. We find fulfillment in things that this world does not even understand. Amen. There's a peace and a calm that people see about us and they don't get it because the circumstances of life are crazy around us. But we find fulfillment in things the world doesn't even understand. And the task of discipleship is the work of learning a new way to live, turning kingdom values into practical actions so that the world sees And God's word teaches us that this world will recognize the difference if we only live and move and react as children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are citizens of another kingdom. This world lives in darkness, but they will see light in us if we live like we are in the light. Amen. Finally, this is the Father's will for each one of His children. It is His joy to give us the kingdom of God. There's so many resources we have available to us that we don't even understand. But God wants to give us the kingdom of God and lead us into a whole new way of living. And as we live in that new way of the kingdom Those kingdom values actually build his kingdom by attracting the world around us and testifying to these different values that characterize our lives. I need to close, but this understanding is considered in these inspiring words of Jesus in Luke 12. Look at this. Do not set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows you need him. So don't worry. (laughs) But seek first his kingdom. And all these other things will be given you as well. This is the Lord talking. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give to you the kingdom of God. So think about this. What would it be like... To live a life free from worry and fear and anxiety. What would it be like to live a life no longer concerned of the shame or the guilt of the past, but anticipating every day as it's a new one and anticipating? What would it be like to live a life free from worry, receiving everything joyfully from the Father's hand, all because He knows we need Him and He's faithful to give us everything we need because he desires to give us his entire kingdom. Does that make sense? I think that would include a new sense of freedom from worry, a new sense of peace, a new sense of joy in the midst of chaos, confident love being given to those who attack you or accuse you. That would all be included in that, would it not? Perhaps today.
the Holy Spirit has been working on some of you this week. He's gotten your attention over something that, you know, you thought, wow, what? that was just such a common thing and God's talking to me about it. Some of us need to renew our journey into God's kingdom. We can begin that right now. Or perhaps some of us need to be rescued from the dominion of darkness and to be born in the kingdom of light because our priorities are set up on the wrong kingdom. We're worried about fulfillment in this temporary world, which isn't real fulfillment at all. God's ways are different than ours. We need to be seeking first his kingdom, not if you're with me, right? What better way, what better day to start than today? If there's a need in your life to renew your commitment to God or to be born again or to simply set your priorities where they need to be. I ask you to pray along with me from the sincerity of your own heart as we pray. Would you just bow your, bow your heads with me, pr- please, and join with me in this time of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, it, it gets confusing for us in this temporary fallen world. Because the devil masquerades like an angel of light. And he easily gets us to focus on things that you don't want us to even focus on. Things that you desire for us are things that we may not always understand, but you are always looking out for our good. And and when we start feeling pity and, and sorry for ourselves... And we look up to you asking for temporary things. God, would you remind us that your will is to give us the entire kingdom. That would be your joy. And we ask for such small things. Help us, Father, in our trust of you. Help us to realize that we don't have to worry about what we eat or drink or what we wear or What we think brings temporary fulfillment. We simply need to focus on the still small voice of God. Giving us your wisdom. Your guidance. Setting our priorities to match the priorities of the kingdom. And living as children of light. Instead of this dominion of darkness that we find ourselves in in this world. It's a fine distinction, Father, that the enemy of our soul has tried to blur. But I pray that you would help us to see with clarity where the dividing lines are. And as children of the King, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we would know the joy of receiving everything we have from our Father's hand trusting God in the midst of uncertainty or chaos, knowing that we can walk through this darkened world with confidence in our every step because our God goes with us. And nothing's impossible with our God. Now indeed, Father, there will be disappointments in this life. But I pray that even in the midst of those, you would give us the right perspective. To recognize that we can trust in you because it's your joy to give to us the kingdom. For those who've had the Holy Spirit speaking to them this week in just very simple ways, but 
reminding them maybe they need to set their priorities straight. Or for those whom the Holy Spirit may have spoken to and said, you need to be born again. I pray to God that we would surrender it all to you right now. There would be a transformation in our hearts and lives that would change our perspective, would would fill us with joy and peace, and would so transform us that those around us would indeed see the difference. And we'd be able to say, I don't know what it is, but it's the joy of Jesus in my heart and soul. Give us souls for the kingdom, Father. Help us to be instruments of light with the very people we rub shoulders with every day. And this week, may our life be characterized by the priorities of your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask and all God's people said, Amen.